Hello and welcome to episode six of Square Talk. My name's Richard Barnett and today we're talking with Peter Kinder, the Provincial Grandmaster for Leicestershire and Rutland Freemasons. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you, Richard. Uh, great to be with you and thank you for the invitation. Now, as you'd imagine, I've got a whole host of questions for you, so I'm going to dive <laughs> right in. Um, we've heard from the Grand Secretary on the success of speciality or themed lodges. How important is the consecration of the Union of Rugby Lodge for our province? Well, there's no doubt, Richard, that uh, all around the country, theme lodges have been extremely successful, especially rugby lodges. There are other lodges, of course, linked with motorbikes, the military, classic cars, football, fishing and others. But the new Union of Rugby Lodge, who have uh, 50 enthusiastic and dedicated founders, apparently they have 27 joining members and six initiates waiting in the wings. Most of these are young men, so they not only add that number to our ranks, but secure our future. These guys are potential provincial grand officers of the future. And their enthusiasm, I think everybody can tell already, is most infectious. And they're mostly, of course, members of... Uh, the Light Blue Club, and also the Light Blue Rugby Football Club. And they're already coming up with new progressive ideas. And during the COVID pandemic we're currently in, uh, their ideas and enthusiasm and their caring for those in need has been quite amazing. And uh, they really are going to be a great asset and are already, in fact, to this province. Now, you're not going to let me get away without asking this question. Some of the newer brethren won't know that this is not the only sporting-themed lodge in the province, because we have Reynard Lodge, of which you are a founder and were the first master. Uh, and this is a sporting lodge. Can you tell me how the formation of that lodge came about and any similarities to the setup of the uh, Union of Rugby Lodge? Oh, well, yes, thanks for that one, Richard. How, how long have you got? I mean, what a story we have uh, with Reynard Lodge. Primarily the difference between the two are that uh, Reynard was formed from retired rugby players, including myself. And of course, the, uh, uh, the Union of Rugby Lodge uh, very much is uh, made up from people who are still playing the game. So therefore, that, as you imagine, they're quite a bit younger than we were. But uh, Reynard came about from a discussion actually watching a, a first team cup game at Stony Gate Rugby Club. We were standing around the bar chatting and uh, there was about a dozen of us, I suppose. And looking around, uh, I realised there was about five or six Freemasons uh, uh, in the company. So I said, hey guys, we could form our own lodge here. Uh, and that was the literally the off-the-cuff comment that, that led to the foundation of uh, and the consecration of the Reynard Lodge. Um, we were probably, what I suppose, in, in our late 30s, some a little bit older and uh, nevertheless we were still incredibly enthusiastic and much like the Union of Rugby Club guys are today but off the record back in the 80s the Freemasonry was not quite as open as it is now and the powers that be were probably not quite as approachable as hopefully we are now so change was slow in those days however Reynard went from strength to strength peaking at a membership of around 60 members uh, the Union of Rugby Lodge will surpass that number, which is fantastic news indeed. Incidentally, the founders of, of Reynard, which number 32, were made up mostly of, of ex-rugby players, but also of golfers from Rothley Park Golf Club and other cricketers and other people that joined the list of founders. And we, we had actually 12 joining members very quickly. Uh, and uh, candidates flowed for, for many years. Um, so it's, uh, it's a fantastic lodge. Uh, we have a great time. We, we love each other's company. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's gone from strength to strength. 
As you know, last week we had the guys from the Union of Rugby Lodge on. We we had Daniel, Jock and Paul. And, and they were complimentary with the help that they've had from you and other members of the provincial team. One thing that they did say is that they've been asked if they could have their second and third degrees to be carried out in other lodges. Can you tell me the reasoning behind that? Yes, I can, Richard. Um, and struggling or rather less busy lodges could, if they're agreeable, of course, perform second and third degree ceremonies for the Union of Rugby Lodge. The idea behind this is kind of a double effect, that it gives the Union of Rugby Lodge time to admit more members by holding more initiation and therefore provide ceremonial work for those lodges to work. And no doubt many of the Union of Rugby members will attend those ceremonies and support their candidates, therefore increasing the attendance at those, shall we say, less busy lodges. Now, without wanting to put words in your mouth, you must be very pleased with the work carried out by the Brethren in setting up this uh, new lodge. And I guess, indeed, the vision of the Light Blue Club in general. Is this a model for the future of the province, do you think, and maybe Freemasonry in general? Yes, I do very much think it's a model for the future. And uh, how could you not be delighted with the work that they've carried out so far? Times change, as I said earlier. Theme lodges have proved themselves over and over again to be successful, mainly as they've got members with common interests that bind them together. Often lodges that struggle to have members with very different interests, which makes that more difficult, or should I say, not so easy. However, it does not mean that they can't be successful. Many have been and still are. Uh, the Light Blue Club is an extremely valuable asset to the province, and of course the Rugby Club was formed out of that. Those that run both the Light Blue and the Rugby Clubs, as I said earlier, are the brethren who will help run this province in the future. And I was very pleased and honoured to be invited to be the first president of the Light Blue Club last year. So why do you think the response to the formation of this new lodge has been so successful? What makes rugby and Freemasonry so compatible? Well, I believe their success is in attracting many founders and joining members and initiates all stems from that common interest, uh, in this case, I said earlier, of rugby football. A rugby team is made up of, of different shapes and sizes that fit into their preferred positions. Uh, actually, lodge officers are made up in a similar way, if you think about it, uh, in that their role within each lodge for the members of specific ability, for example. Not, not every member is good at ritual, uh, not, not are all cut out to be directors of ceremonies, for instance. However, they may be capable of being good charity stewards or almoners, or perhaps those good with numbers may easily fit in as lodge treasurer, etc. So Freemasonry, contrary to some of the stories we might read sometimes, is a very open organisation. How are we going to portray this message to anyone who might be interested in learning a little bit more, or perhaps have an interest in, in joining? Well, openness with the public uh, or general public is crucial to the future of Freemasonry. Uh, not that we're under any threat, but we've been around for 300 years, as you know, and uh, we're here to stay. And how we must adapt to the way of life in the 21st century. We now have open days. Our doors are open to the public at our national headquarters in Great Queen Street in London. Their doors are open every day and, and we can arrange tours around our building in London Road each morning upon request. We've a very informative website that you know very well, Richard, of course, uh, as do, of course, the, the other 49 provinces in England and Wales. There's a huge amount of information about Freemasonry fully available on the web. I, I will say, however, that, that openness is not a new idea. I mean, it was first introduced when Lord Northampton was uh, Programme Master in 2001. However, in Freemasonry, as we've come to know, uh, such initiatives take a bit of time to filter through. 
Well, as you've just mentioned, organised Freemasonry has been around for over 300 years. And, and I would also say arguably in other forms long before then. So how do we ensure that we appeal to the modern generation? Oh, good question. I, I, I go back once more to the Light Blue Club and the, the Light Blue Rugby Football Club, who set this kind of example that will attract new members to us. We, we need to continue to follow the example being set by our relatively new Grand Secretary and Chief Executive David Staples in London, um, modernising this approach to the general public. We, we must, however, not change our, our ceremonial traditions. Uh, it's one of the most attractive and interesting parts of, of all that we do. We must be open to demonstrate that we are a society that still is very relevant uh, in the t this society in the 21st century. For example, we have modernised our Masonic core message. We've changed it from brotherly love, relief and truth to integrity, friendship, respect and charity. We believe that this is a phrase which is much more recognisable to the non-Mason and therefore the general public. It goes without saying that we'll continue unabated to support our local Masonic charities, whom we in Leicestershire and Rutland donate around 250,000 a year. From our, and from our Masonic Charity Foundation based in London, it's something around 48 million. Um, incidentally, Richard, you may not know this, but there's a new tagline being launched by David Staples. It's coming out in a, a report, um, a newsletter type report very shortly. And it, it, it goes like this, which I think it's, it's brilliant, this. We are Freemasons because we want to be part of something unique and make lifelong friends. We eat, drink and meet together. By following centuries-old traditions, we challenge and develop ourselves. And by working together, we help and build our communities. I think that's very powerful and uh, hopefully that will resonate uh, with the general public. Got to agree. I like that. It's very good. In my view, it's not just about appealing to the modern generation. It's also about keeping up with modern procedures and processes. Well, we're doing a podcast here over the internet. So that's one great example. So how, how, <laughs> yeah. How's technology playing its part in this lockdown? And do you think that it is around to stay in some form? Uh, yes, I do. And uh, I, I mean, it's emphasised by, um, uh, again, uh, UGLE in London. They're, they're in the process of setting up a new administration system, which will operate worldwide and therefore affect millions uh, or the millions of our members. It, and it's called Hermes. Through this new system and by introducing new methods of working, our chief exec, uh, David Staples, and his staff have already saved apparently around 18,000 man-hours of work uh, at our um, headquarters in London. This uh, Hermes will filter through to all our lodge secretaries. So when Hermes is fully operational next autumn, a lodge secretary's job will become a doddle. So as a lodge secretary, how about that, Richard? I'm just writing that down. Uh, it will become <laughs> a doddle. I'm looking forward to that. Doddle, yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I'm sure hopefully uh, all the other secretaries listening to this, and I hope there will be some, uh, will we'll find out the same. Anyway, uh, I, I believe almost actually all, all the members um, that we have that, that have been on Zoom have really enjoyed that, uh, the Zoom virtual, virtual meetings that have taken place during the lockdown because of obviously the cessation of, of all face-to-face -face Masonic meetings. I, I believe that Zoom meetings will continue to be used after we resume our normal meetings. Perhaps meetings will take place between the provinces and UGLE in London, why not? Uh, and perhaps uh, replace non-essential face-to-face meetings within the province. Uh, I, I've certainly enjoyed them and uh, I think there is a place for them in the future. We'll, we'll see what happens. One thing is for sure, when we get back to business as usual, 
it will not be the same as when we left it on March the 17th this year. That kind of tees up my next question, really. So I've got to talk to you about this lockdown period that we're in, which is obviously a sensible precaution. What have you been doing since this all started on the 17th of March and what effect is it having on our province? <laughs> well, Richard, this might be quite a long answer because we've done so many things. Uh, the comms team have been extremely busy. Uh, it's been non-stop, actually, since March the 17th. One of the great things we did was offer our premises uh, at London Road for, to the NHS. Um, unfortunately, this has not been possible to be taken up by them, but although we're not out of the wood yet, as we all know, so something still may happen, but that is available to them, and we've offered that with our uh, grateful thanks, of course, to all the NHS and the key workers are doing during this awful, dreadful disease we find ourselves in. We've therefore, obviously, since we've been closed on the 17th of March, there's been no income at all for Freemasons Hall or the Demonship Place. And we, we anticipated that we may lose income of around about 100,000. Um, we therefore launched an appeal uh, back in very, uh, very late March, which has been incredibly well supported. Uh, by uh, many, many members of the province. We've collected around £26,000 and donations are still coming in. So if I may, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all those brethren who have donated. We are extremely grateful to you all. We do, of course, all, I'm sure you, you all the listeners will join me in, in feeling or having a feeling for our 84 London Road staff who we had to uh, furlough. And thanks to the government, that furlough opportunity is there. They're all in pretty good spirits. I've had a couple of Zoom meetings with a number of them, together with our catering and marketing consultant, Nicola Holyoke. Talking of Zoom, as I say, many lodges have, uh, have had Zoom meetings and uh, they've proved very enjoyable for all those that took part. And uh, we're now actually uh, about to ask the uh, Zoom host to uh, pass on certain key messages um, from the province uh, when they have their virtual Zoom meetings. There, there, we've also had a, a number of quizzes. We've had five or six quizzes that people have enjoyed taking part in. Uh, of course, we've had podcasts like this, Richard, which uh, have gone down very well. I, I hope this one will go down as well as the previous five. But we'll, we'll see. see. I'll let you have the audience <laughs> figures after about a week. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, actually, please don't. <laughs> and, and finally, the news bulletins um, that we've sent out telling all our members the initiatives that we've introduced right across the province. So at some point, we will return to some semblance of normality. So how are we going to help our members when lodges are allowed to return? How are we going to help them get back to business? Well, that's a great question, Richard, and one of which I'm sure that you, you, you know we've spent a lot of time thinking about and debating. Uh, but before we get back to, to lodge meetings and face-to-face -face once again, uh, we've set up a uh, what we've termed as back-to-the-square team. Uh, this team will encourage our members to attend their lodges, will um, share out uh, the responsibility between the committee, but they won't be doing it on their own. Uh, we'll be re-establishing and reconnecting with the care committees in every lodge to get them on board with this initiative. Uh, we'll include the RARs um, in every lodge who will be asked to help to encourage members back to their lodges. And of course, we mustn't forget our chapters. As we know, the Royal Arch is an integral part of the craft, uh, the fourth degree, if you like. Um, we'll also be uh, asking our lodge liaison officers uh, to assist. They're, they're key to communication and advice uh, in all lodges. Um, so they'll be helping us as well. During the lockdown, I hope that members will be pleased to know that we've been in touch with all those men waiting to be initiated. 
they've been spoken to on the telephone or, or they've been on a Zoom meeting with uh, our mentor, Del Page, and others who are helping him. Interesting also, Richard, we, we've been in touch with one or two, well, more than one or two, actually, quite a number of members that have recently left us. And it's been incredibly encouraging to uh, hear their, their grateful thanks for us getting in touch and thinking about them. And so there's a hope there, and, and we'll make it more than a hope by contacting them again and getting them to, uh, uh, to, to reconnect with us and attend their lodges and chapters once again. So with nearly 3,000 members in Leicestershire and Rutland, I mean, that's, that's a huge task to organise and run in general, but especially in times like these. How have your team been helping in these unprecedented times? Well, I'm glad you mentioned team because that's the key to it all, isn't it? You know, we are a team. And of course, I'm part of the Regional Communication Group 6 team, uh, which consists of six PGMs, obviously Leicester and Rutland, myself. Uh, then uh, we have uh, Notts, uh, Nottinghamshire, Lincolnshire, Derbyshire, Northampton, Huntingdonshire, and Bedfordshire. And we, we Zoom as a team every three weeks or so to discuss the guidance and ideas and initiatives that disseminate from London and, of course, the government. And we also agree how we divide up the £100,000 worth of, of grant that we've had from the Masonic Charity Foundation. Um, they've given this money to for us to donate to charities that are directly helping the, in the connection of um, COVID-19. As you know, Richard, you've been pivotal in a large number of our initiatives, not just whilst we're in lockdown, but to our plans for the restart. And uh, our Provincial Grand Secretary, Paul Wallace, and I speak each evening, uh, each weekday evening, I hasten to add, uh, to discuss the latest guidance again from the UK government and from the United Grand Lodge. As soon as we went into lockdown, we, we immediately formed our comms committee. I didn't mention it in passing earlier. Uh, that consists of myself, Paul Wallace, provincial mentor, Del Page, David Hyatt, now provincial almoner, our chairman of the Leicester and Rutland Masonic Charity Association, Phil Caswell, and of course your good self, Richard, provincial communications officer. This committee agree which items should be disseminated to our membership, also who should send them out and by which method, either directly to the lodge secretaries or directly to each individual member. Of course, our website is updated daily. Again, thanks to you, Richard. Uh, and I take this opportunity during this podcast to thank you once again for the great work that you do in this regard. Th thank you very much. It's great to be part of an excellent team that we've got. But sadly, our time is now up. So thank you, Peter, very much for spending time with us today. It's been really insightful. I look forward to our next meeting in person, whenever that may be. Thank you once again. Thank you, Richard. It's been a great pleasure. And uh, thank you again to uh, everybody in the province uh, for, for what they're doing. It's uh, really, really encouraging. And as you say, let's hope it's not too long before we can all greet each other face to face once again. Thank you very much indeed.